0: You got the shells, the shells, the shells, the shells.
1: Everybody's ego takes a shot on this show.
2: This is Rutledge and Hamilton with Jim Rutledge and Matt Hamilton, presented by Coors Light on 100.5 ESPN. This is a rebuild for the Green Bay Packers. Just because
1: it's a rebuild doesn't mean they can't make the playoffs. And just because they make the playoffs, doesn't mean that the rebuild
2: is complete. Broadcasting live from the Everlight Solar Studio with Matt Hamilton, here's Jim Rutledge.
0: That's some pie in the sky or have your cake and eat it too expectations from Jesse Nelson on Rutledge and Hamilton when I was out on Friday that we are presented by Coors Light. The mounds blue, you know what to do. And that's Crush of course Light. Get into the show. 844-770-3776. We're live from the Everlight Solar Studio. This is Rutledge and Hamilton. Matt, I don't disagree that the Packers could go and get eight or nine wins. But I think I don't disagree with Jesse Nelson by saying that the Packers are trying to have their cake and eat it too, which is rebuild on the fly. Like They're not punting on the season. They're not burning it down. Like Chicago did last year. Detroit did two years ago. Just to look within the division. Detroit burned it down and now they're up to a a team that won eight games last year and it's kind of the favorite to win the division. Chicago burned it down. Now they're basically where Detroit was a year ago that maybe they win eight games next year and then they can continue to fight for the division as they reset the roster. Packers are trying to reset their roster on the fly. The thing is, I think eight or nine wins is their ceiling. And, And that's when everything goes right. And mainly to do with I don't even want to get into if a player is going to be good or bad. And I don't think Jordan Love is going to fall flat on his face. But I do think we're just underestimating that injuries are going to happen. Things are going to happen during a game. You can come out flat during a game. And there's so many, and I've said this a million times, Aaron Rodgers is number one, two, three, four, and five reason the Grammy Packers won. How many warts he covered up in a season, in a game. How many injuries he might maybe helped the Packers get through because of his brilliance uh, athletically and mentally and the way he carried himself with his team. And I'm not saying Jordan Love can't ever get there. We don't know. But what we do know is he's not going to be there year one. He is not going to be the quarterback, even if statistically numbers are close, than Aaron Rodgers was last year in his first year as a starter. It's just not going to happen. So this would require everyone to be healthy and the Packers not have any clunkers, which the Packers had clunkers with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, and people get hurt. So I think eight or nine wins is kind of the ideal scenario where there's no – Significant injury, or at least if the injuries happen, it's at positions of depth. I think they could get eight or nine, and they end up at six. eight four four seven seven zero thirty seven seventy six You want to chime in on if the Packers can rebuild while trying to win some football games?
1: Yeah, you know, I agree in the sense that I don't think this is like a full on rebuild. Like we've obviously kept some key guys that. You know, might not be included in a rebuild at this point, given how young your receiving core is, your quarterback, and so forth. So, I think the Packers, especially like looking at it, Jordan Love, this is what are we going into? His fourth season, right? Yep. His fourth season. So, he's, you still can't look at him as, even though he's a first time starter, as like a rookie. The clock's gone, like, been running on Jordan Love. So, like, we've got this whole set up around him now to maybe have a little bit of success, but everything's not there yet. You know that there's going to be some growing pains, but he's also been in the system long enough. So you have kind of this best of both worlds where you don't necessarily have to burn it down because the guy should know what he's doing at this point. But you don't want to necessarily throw all your extra dollars into this quarterback or whatever because you don't really know what you have. So I think it's kind of this like middling, the same reason Goody's not getting all the weapons that we think Jordan Love needs to succeed, it's because we don't know what we have in Jordan Love yet. Why would you throw all your eggs in it? We think he can succeed, and I think we have enough pieces around him where he can be at least a threat in the North. We can maybe compete for a division title, maybe be in the mix for that playoff spot. Like I think that's all well within the realm of possibility with Jordan Love, but I don't think it's worth mortgaging the future to get some put more pieces around him now. So I think that's just where we're at with with Jordan Love.
0: DeAndre Hopkins is not. Coming to the Packers,
1: unless the, we get DeAndre Hopkins, and then everything I just said is out the window.
0: <laughs> no, I don't want DeAndre Hopkins. Does it, quick little aside? Does it bother you anymore? Or are you just kind of over it as you see Buffalo and Kansas City. Kansas City just what? Those are the two teams that are like, look, we'll figure, we'll make it happen. Like, yeah, because they have quarterbacks that can get them the ball, right? Like, but for it, sure, and not they know as a Packer fan now. But just looking back over the last fifteen years between and twenty between Rodgers and Favre, the team never being like, you know what? DeAndre Hopkins, Randy Mott, i don't care. We're just going to add you to the pile. I'm—I
1: don't think there's any wide receiver movement in those like that like five-year window across the NFL. So there were no people to get for Aaron Rodgers, which is in defense of the Packers. There were there were no, there were kidding, no right? available wide receivers in like five seasons of football. Sure, uh. <laughs>
0: sure. Uh, it's just one of those things where you see again Kansas City. They're my second favorite team. Kansas City and the Bills are always looking at the wide receiver market. It's crazy, but it's not just. I mean, Kansas City is try. You know, they'll try to acquire someone at the trade deadline or or sign a a, maybe a wash defensive player, maybe not wash. Like they're always trying to do something, and it's just it's heartening to be a fan if you're a fan of one of those teams. I can't say like I'm a diehard Chiefs fan because that's not fair to the diehard Chiefs fans. But I really like to see them do well. Is how I talk about uh, the Chiefs. But back to the Packers here. I just think that this is not a bad plan Matt that they're following. I'm just thinking that people need to temper their expectations. Be-
1: I don't know. I don't know if it is a bad plan or not. I see a lot of teams blow it up and then they come back and they're able to but like they can't make they a run. have to run with love. but here's what I'm saying is how many teams don't fully blow it up but then don't fully reach their potential and they live in this middle of the road purgatory? My example, my key example in this, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys—they're always thinking. Oh, it's we're this year's the year. Like every single year, they think they got it. They—you see them adding pieces year in and year out every season, and here they are fizzling in the playoffs consistently, or not being good enough to be the best team in the division. I—I I just see this like we're we're going for it every single year. We can win a Super Bowl, and when you don't have that golden ticket quarterback. You're just in the middle, and that's where I'm afraid the Packers are going to be living for a while, unless Jordan Love turns out to be it, or if Goody can be a bigger man and say, you know what, this wasn't the right pick, we're moving on. I don't know if either of those things can happen.
0: Since the year 2000, the Packers only have 30 more wins than the Cowboys do. Now they have the one more Super Bowl. But to the point, like if the Packers end up being the Cowboys – since you you know, and over the last 23 if years. If you're saying
1: that, then we shouldn't have gotten rid of Aaron Rodgers.
0: If we're cool with having good seasons and that's okay, but then we shouldn't have gotten that,
1: rid of Aaron Rodgers because he gave us good seasons.
0: Isn't that kind of what you have already? Again, the Cowboys won 198 games and lost 172. 54% winning percentage, made the playoffs nine times, won four playoff games, zero titles. Packers got one, but that's not dramatic. I mean, the Super Bowl matters, don't get me wrong, but. If that's what happens to the Packers, like there's far worse because you could go look at I don't know the Cleveland Browns who have a 34 uh, percent win percentage, the Detroit Lions at 36, the Jaguars at 38, the Texans at 42, the the, the uh, Raiders at 40, Washington at 42, Arizona at 43. Like there's some bad spots to be, and again it it, it goes to we all I mean talk to, about winning titles. That's the end all, but that's not what that was the end all be all with Aaron Rodgers, right? With Jordan Love. You're kind of looking at Dak Prescott expectations where, hey, maybe we can luck into a title one
2: year. This is Rutledge and Hamilton. We're throwing some stones next. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt.
0: Continuing with the Taylor Swift music uh, in honor of Aaron Rodgers, Swifty, at the Taylor Swift concert with Miles Teller and Robert Pattinson. Looks like he had a blast. I actually like him more for that. He's endearing there. (laughs) He's not a hardo about live music or I can't like Taylor Swift because I'm too cool for it. He's just, you know what? Taylor Swift makes me want to sing and dance, and I'm going to go to Taylor Swift and sing and dance with my friend Miles Teller. I, I feel very like you're making
1: humanizing. fun of someone behind me because you're looking Bang. at me and then Bang. saying all the things that I did not say.
0: What Very, <laughs> very, uh, I would say, endearing of Aaron Rodgers. Let's throw some stones because I just threw one at Matt.
2: The guys think they have the answers <laughs> to everything. I'm the best there is. People like me. So it's time to put them to the test. That's
1: some booty, Jim. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man.
2: This is Throwing Stones, presented by Metro Kia of Madison, Madison's trusted Kia dealership.
3: So after the long weekend, we've been without Throwing Stones for a while. Strofe's been out and about, so I'm going to be gathering the best stories from the interwebs. And we start with something that happened this morning. A uh, Florida man, obviously, was arrested for breaking into a home while trying to run away from a ghost he saw at the motel he was staying at. He did later admit that ecstasy might have been involved. But here's my question Matt Hamilton, do ghosts exist? No,
1: ghosts don't exist. Um, when you're freaking out and then maybe on some sort of uh, additional chemical source that your brain can play tricks on you. And this guy had a little uh, imaginary ghost that was scaring him and told him to break into that house. That was. It is. They're not real. Ghosts aren't real.
0: I would say um, agnostic on ghosts. I don't know. I, I feel like there's times where you feel like, and maybe it's your your mind playing tricks on you. Where you feel like maybe you were nudged in a different direction, physically or mentally, with something, or you catch something out of the corner of your eye that maybe you saw it. I don't think they're out here haunting. But look, we don't know what it uh, what it's like out there. And I'll share I'll share this with you guys. So my my youngest daughter Magnolia. She is actually almost very comforting because she speaks with such clarity that she is convinced that we are, I guess it would be Buddhism, that we're just reincarnated. Like she just will speak like, I think I was this person in my past life or or, don't worry about so-and-so. They're back as someone else. Now she speaks with utter and sheer confidence that there's no other thought in this world that we are all going to be reincarnated. And she was already reincarnated many times over. Hmm. So it's one of those things, and that's not uncommon for younger kids where there's been stories where they even remember an old life, and they can match the details to someone that lived that you shouldn't be able to. She's not that advanced into it, but it is one of those things where I'm like, I'm not putting, I don't know any of the answers, so I'm not putting ghosts past it, I'm not putting aliens (laughs) past it, I'm not putting reincarnation past anything, because we don't know. All
3: right. Uh, So also this weekend I went out to brunch after I had a couple friends and some family coming to town For the Radicals game Went out to brunch with them to a place that Is usually a lunch and dinner place But they are open on Saturdays and Sundays for brunch So it's not their main thing right But they didn't have a single sweet option They only had savory breakfast items Do you have to serve sweet food If you're going to be a brunch place
0: Jim we'll start with you this time I feel like not just with a brunch place, but you should provide options because it's not like you're going out of left field for it. So like sweet items, like give me like what were you thinking that they didn't have? Like waffles, pancakes, french toast, yeah. even fruit. Yeah, that's a miss. Like if you're going just savory, I feel like you're just trying too hard. Like people can that's not out of left field to ask for waffles or pancake or any of those things for a brunch. So yeah, that's a big miss. You gotta at least have an option of it. This isn't like no, I'd actually be okay with no steak sauce. Uh, for a fine steak restaurant over, we're not gonna make you a sweet brunch. That's a bit much.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a that's a oversight on whoever created that menu. Not everyone's feeling savory. I personally don't understand it. Uh, if I was ever creating a menu, there would absolutely be something sweet on the brunch menu because my wife
0: always gets something sweet.
1: And then eats half of my savory dish and then just offers me her
0: pancakes. <laughs> It'd be just as big of a miss if you didn't do any savory either. Like, I sometimes want something savory. Sometimes I want something sweet. Right. For a brunch, like, those are two clear options. Like, mm-hmm. like, it's not it's not crazy to, to offer both. It's crazy not to offer I both. mean, was
1: the restaurant called, like, Savory Brunch Spot? No. <laughs> okay, then.
0: Okay, that was the only
1: way they're getting a pass on that.
3: No, just a, a normal restaurant. So I was, I was a little bummed. The closest thing to like a baked good they had was biscuits and gravy, which is what I ended up having, and it was, it was great. I digress. Uh, my friends and I, after eating brunch, went walked around town. I showed him downtown. It was really exciting, uh, but he just was so captivated by all of the different colors of houses and vegetation in front yards. Uh, what? Do do HOAs, he was avidly against it afterwards, do HOAs matter? Jim, you've got your finger
0: up and ready to go. We'll start with you. So I had seen in a small world sort of uh, connection here, about three weeks ago, I had seen on the... John Oliver's show last week tonight, he did a whole feature on HOAs and how horrendous they are. How at, at times they can bankrupt people, especially if you're older and on a fixed income. They can really ride some people right into debt and they're usually not run by the homeowners in the actual neighborhood. They're run by third-party companies that are hired out. So like everything else, it's been uh, basically beaten to death by capitalism where you have this company out there that's not doing what's right for the community. They're doing what's right to make themselves the most amount of money. And then my the friends we made when well, we tried to park our camper they were telling us i feel i don't even want to say their name i feel like their hoa is going to ding them for even mentioning that the hoa is bad like they were telling me you can't like they had a pop up camper they couldn't let it sit in their yard for like an hour to let it dry like you have to have it put away immediately they got fines cuz they didn't have enough like plants and and bushes and and flowers in front of their yard. They where they put their trash they could find on. HOAs are the devil. They started off as something that maybe was good, but they are horrendous and it should be absolutely removed. I think they're awful. Matt? I am one hundred percent
1: with Jim on this. And HOA just is like, hey, we're gonna take all creative fun things that you might like to do to your house, landscaping Things that you like to do with your house We're gonna eliminate that Now, I understand some of them Like the camper thing An hour, that's obscene If you want to keep it there 48 hours That's great, I can see it after a certain amount of time It getting a little annoying So some rules and some Honestly, the common-sense laws of civility that should just come to you naturally are all the HOA really should be enforcing, but they overstep their bounds.
0: Well, and I'll add this. like In our community, and we put our camper on the side of our house, though, and we're in a cul-de-sac, so it's kind of tucked away. There's no rule against it. There are some... like With every community you live in, they're usually kind of planned at this point. Some developers bought the uh, land and has put in some general bylines to keep home values up. That's all you need. You you don't need an HOA. What you need is just this sort of like... Hey, you, you might have to like approve. You can't go pink for your siding, or you have to. You can't let the house become dilapidated. But there's not like fines. It's just more of like, hey, these are the general rules of the community. But they're usually pretty lax. They're more of in case of like if you have a bad actor who's letting their house go to to crap, or they're they're being taken advantage of their neighbors, then you have an opportunity to do a little bit of something. And HOA is proactively trying to get. Screw people over. All right, we've got
3: time for one last one. What is it? We've got 14 of the next 19 days in Southern Florida could have an NBA or an NHL playoff game, which is just insane. But which of the two teams, the Heat or the Panthers, would you rather see win? We'll start with you, Matt.
1: Well, I'm going to go with the Heat just because I've said this before and I'll say it again. I prefer Uh, to lose to the team that goes ahead and wins it all. At least you can say that you lost to the hottest team. You ran into the buzzsaw that took you down. And I'm a Golden Knights fan, so down with the Panthers. Go Knights. Go Heat, I guess. I really want the Knights and the Nugs to win, but for the sake of this question, we'll go Heat.
0: Um, I will say it's interesting factoid here. Pat Riley has been a part of, whether as a player or a coach or GM president, 25% of all NBA finals in NBA history. Insane. That's wild. That is truly remarkable. He kind of, I think, has taken over Red Arbuck as the greatest winner, in my opinion, in NBA history as far as someone in the front office. And I will say that obviously I'm going with, one, I like Denver. I like watching them play, so I want Denver to win there. And the Florida Panthers, I covered that team for about two years. None of the players are still there, but the fan base down there, there's loyal hockey fans just like everywhere else, little pockets of it. And I'd love to see them win the title. And I also feel like it would drive. It's already, I'm sure, regular hardcore hockey heads, especially the Canadian ones. Clingster are probably already up in arms that we got a team from Vegas and a King, uh, team from Florida competing for Lord Stanley's Cup. But <laughs> do you know
1: how long it's been since a Canadian team pl- competed for Lord Stanley's Cup? No, it's been like twenty or twenty-five years. Well, wild, wild! Yeah. So don't let the don't the Canadians might say it's their game. They haven't had a hockey team even compete for the cup for a long time. And I I might be wrong. Maybe it's just has hasn't won. But I think the last team from Canada to win might be like. The Montreal Canadiens in, like, 1994
0: or something. Well, we'll look look that up. uh, I'm going to Google it. Yeah, you Google that. I'm going to tell everyone about Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison because they're winners. So far this year, there has been more than $58 million in jackpots at Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. There's no reason to wait. Next time you're planning something to do... Or if you're out and about, just stop at Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Biggest win so far this year, $218,000. Just last week, there was 2.5, more than 2.5 million dollars in jackpots over at Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. So,
3: I, I just wanted to say, you're not as big of a winner as the folks at Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison, Jim. But
1: you are, in fact, yeah. our winner of throwing stones. Hold on, hold on. If I, I will say, I kind of pulled that last one out of thin air. It was the Canadians in 1993. Oh. So I was one year off. Any bonus points that might sway your decision? We'll pick? give you three and you'll still fall just one
0: short. <laughs> <laughs> Loser! What am <by> the Celtics? <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and their coach hire and the process
2: they went through next. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. Miss any of the show? Find full show podcasts free on Wisconsin On Demand and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: There you go. Shake it off, Matt Hamilton. This one's... All timer. Absolutely. I mean,
1: there's a reason it's been overplayed up at the Wazoo, right? Like it's a banger. It's certified.
0: Good uh, job, G. Skeeter chimes in. Matt is a blank and liar. He loves him some HOA because they never allow live music. (laughs) The one bright spot. He's Matt Hamilton, I am Jim Rutledge This is Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light Starting in a few days here We put it up on our social media, at Jim and Matt You can start voting for us as best radio team in Madison And uh, we'd appreciate it if you do so I want to talk about Only if you believe it though I don't even care if you believe it or not Just I don't vote. want your pity vote I do, and you can pity vote for us <laughs> every single day If you're listening, Matt, I would imagine that they, they like the show Good point. Yeah, see. Point me. That's why I'm the winner. <laughs> That's why you won. But Zach Lowe on the Low Post podcast had some good things to say about the Milwaukee Bucks and their hire of Adrian Griffin. And I want to get to that in a second here, but Matt, when you first saw that Adrian Griffin was hired, now we had talked about this a couple of days ago. I'm I'm not I'm no Eric name, but I definitely like the NBA, like tried to be as versed in the NBA as possible. Adrian Griffin, I think I sent a photo to the group chat played back in the day when Jordan was still on the Wizards some video of or some photos of him covering Jordan he's covered LeBron, Carmelo Anthony, like he's played in the NBA, played against some of these greats. I like that in the NBA. He's also been an assistant for a long time, so he gets the coaching side of it and the scheming side of things and how to be a leader side of things, but having played and coached for multiple different coaches, multiple elite defensive coaches, I think he needs to hire, you know, the right type of coaches to fill in his Weak spots, maybe like lack of a better term, an assistant coach who's more of an offensive coordinator for him. That's not unheard of. Tom Thibodeau was kind of a defensive coordinator for Doc Rivers back in the day uh, when the Celtics won a title. Like you can hire someone to kind of cover up maybe where you have some weak spots. But on paper, I like this Adrian Griffin hire. Ime Odoku from the Celtics last year took his team to the to the NBA Finals. Uh, Missoula from the Celtics this year took his team to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you have a lot of first-year coaches who make runs and can get to NBA titles or get deep into the playoffs, and I I think Adrian Griffin was a well-thought-out hire. It's risky because it's not a tried-and-true guy who's done it before, but look, they've made some bold moves before with Giannis and Drew Holiday, and those have worked out.
1: Yeah, um, I I'm
0: super curious at how they got to this decision. I don't. I honestly liked all. If you want to fr- hear, actually, we have Zach Lowe played, so we can actually. If you want to hear how they went to it, then you can add two more yes, to more years. Your, your theory here. help.
3: And it, people around this were incredibly impressed with how the Bucks went about this process. The fact that they traveled in person to every interview, like no Zoom. We're meeting in person. We're going to break bread. Obviously, Giannis was consulted in person. I, also, I was told, and just. The thoroughness of the questions and the exact—it wasn't just okay. Give me the PowerPoint. It was there was a great dialogue and back and forth. And a first-time head coach landing this job is quite a statement of faith in that in that person. And Adrian Griffin and it, people around this were incredibly impressed with how the Bucks looped back.
0: Yeah, so that's how the they're obviously mostly incredibly impressed how the Bucs handled that, which is very encouraging.
1: Right, so for me, when you're looking at first-time head coaches, like you're going to potentially hit on something that hasn't been seen or done before, or a new take on an old trick that is a tried and true. That's what you look for in a new coach, but it is like it's hit or miss. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. Uh, I'm it really makes me happy that they did consult Giannis because, first and foremost, if Giannis said, hire Mr. Peanut, I would hope that the Bucks would take it <laughs> seriously because as long as Giannis is on the team, you have a chance to win, even if Mr. Peanut is your coach. So that being said, I'm glad that they brought their star in, made sure that with whatever decision they were going to make, he was going to be happy. So, to me, it sounds like this was kind of Giannis's guy, which it makes me very thrilled that the Bucks went with the guy that Giannis wanted. And then this idea that they feel that they are ready, they've got the team and a good enough base structure around uh, this new coach that they don't need the tried and true. They don't. They they could if they wanted tried and true. They could have stuck with Bud. They wanted to take the next step and elevate their game and do something different. And what they had to do was get somebody that had a different outlook and hasn't gotten a chance to put it forward into the NBA yet. I think it's gonna. It, it, we're we're going to see how it turns out. I think it was a really good hire. I think it kept the biggest pieces of your organization in Giannis interested in the team. And as long as he's there. We can move forward. We can you can move
0: on from a coach as
1: long as Giannis is happy.
0: I, I like all that. You guys want? I can nerd out for a little bit here on Griffin. The stuff that I read. We can effort Eric Name for later this week, maybe tomorrow or Thursday to kind of get his thoughts on it. Because a lot of this I'm borrowing from Eric Name, but I read a couple different articles. Name obviously being the most in depth on it. But what name? So Tom Thibodeau is the current coach of the Knicks. He coached the defense for lack of a better term, for the Celtics back when they won a title. He was the Bulls coach. He Everywhere he's been, they've had a really good defenses. And Scott Skiles, a former Bucks' coach, also had really good defenses. These are more attacking defenses. These are defenses that will blitz a pick and roll, will try to force turnovers, and try to get baskets in the fast break, which is different than from how the Bucks played before. It's much more of, hey, we're going to force you to the shot that we want. This, offense is, this defense is more of like, we're going to force you to – make mistakes, and that'll turn into our offense. What will this team will look like offensively, we don't know, and that part is up in the air because we don't have much of a background with Griffin uh, offensively, but we do think defensively, I think it's fair to say, this is going to be more of an attacking defense that will try to get some turnovers and be a little bit more athletic, and I think that's a really good sign, a good first step. I think this defense taking advantage of the athleticism of some of their players and the Basketball IQ of some of their players I think can really lead to some positive things. We will uh, wrap up the show on the other side. This is Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light.
2: You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt.
0: It's a good day listening to Taylor Swift coming back from every break. Got a lot of uh, bangers, if you will, Matt Hamilton. Agreed. I think we did. And Jason Wilde or not Jason Wildey. Yeah, if you missed Jason Wildey, you can listen back. Apple, Spotify, Wisconsin, the man, any of those great places. And that's brought to you by our good friends at Revive Restoration. RevivePros.com is... The website, Jim Rutledge, Matt Hamilton with you uh, starting in a couple days here. It'll be on Thursday. You can start voting for us as best radio team in Madison. We'll give you more details on that as it gets closer. But please do not forget to do that. And if you also like us that much, make sure to go to ESPNMadisonOpen.com and sign up to golf with us because that'll be a good time, too. Up up at Trapper's turn,
1: I'll be hitting 310-yard
0: bombs up there. It's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it, and that is on July 17th, up a Trappist turn in the Wisconsin Dells, so we will have a great time. Matt Hamilton will be there. Mark Tausch will be there. Alec Ingle will be there. I'll be there, and we'll continue to name more and more athletes who will be at this, and you can go to Madisonopen.com We are raising money for the charity Catch, which is Community Around the Children's Hospital, so they do a lot of great work. Matt, uh, circling back on our topics of the day, we obviously know you are more in on hanging out with a young crew for this Packers team. And that just and was more my speed. Yes. But I want to ask you, it's not a bad thing for sure, but how much tangible comes out of this group hanging out? Because I know last year you were very much of, they don't have to be Aaron Rodgers' best friends. They know he works really hard. and know he's great. So it doesn't really hurt them if Aaron's not doing all these Kumbaya sort of things, but now that they are, it's nice to see. I I, anyone out there hating on any of this social media is just being a a hater. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like they're having a good time. Everyone, you know, is living their lives and being responsible. So enjoy yourself. So I don't have any issue with them doing it. I just wonder, like, does it have any tangible effect? Yes, I think it does. Um, Now with a guy like Aaron Rodgers,
1: when you have a quarterback who's a little bit more surgical about it, he. Wants you to be at a certain spot at a certain time. I'm not seeing Jordan Love being quite as surgical about his reads, but he's going to have a lot more feel with these players. And I think there's a lot to be said for, like, when you just vibe with a guy and you just know what they're thinking, you'll be able to put, like, you're going to be able to throw the ball where they know the ball's going to be. We saw a great example of that with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Now, both of them, they definitely went off script and had some, some free plays where they just, the only thing that got Devonte the ball was vibes. The fact that him and uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devonte just got along that well. And I think this is a really great step for Jordan Love to start getting a good feel for his wide receivers. And Honestly, I love seeing it. The more they hang out, the better. Because I'm not saying it's 100% going to do something, But it's not a bad thing. It's not going to impact them negatively. So go for it. Go out there. Make sure you're ready to play when it comes football season and time to play football. But, like, if you've got off time and you want to watch tape together or if you've got free time and you just want to get out unwind, and get out on the lake, please, by all means, I want you guys to be best friends going into the season because best friends are going to do everything they can for each other to make themselves look good. And that's going to be better for the Packers.
0: I think you're putting a little too much into it, but I do think vibes matter. And I do think that I don't think you're putting enough into it, Jim. I just think that <laughs> <laughs> this isn't like we got an Aaron Rodgers, he seemed to stop doing the throwing to each other. So like that stuff has more tangible aspects to it of hey, we're going down to Florida and we're all I'm gonna throw to you for three or four days. Yeah. Like that has more of a tangible aspect in addition to the team bonding. It's definitely not a bad thing. And it definitely, like anything else, if you're happy in your workspace, you're going to be a little bit happier. Does it lead to a few more first downs or wins? I don't know, but I think it can lead to this team. It could I would say where it comes in? No, it couldn't. But where it could come in is that really? You can't, it doesn't tie. It doesn't tie to a like this has nothing. They're not going to try harder. They're professionals getting paid money. They're going to try as hard as the, all times. But I think where it could come in is if things are bad, it doesn't get toxic. And I think that's where LaFleur even talked about last year. It didn't get toxic, but when things got bad, it was hard to right the ship. He didn't know how to do that. Now, this year, he wouldn't know how to do it if things go bad. He knows how to right the ship a little bit quicker. So I think if, let's say, they're on a three- or four-game losing streak, they're not going to turn against each other. They have that bond of personal relationships True. to help dig them out of it. So mm-hmm. it's not a tangible, we're going to win more games, but I think it's tangible that we're not going to turn on each other, which happens in the NFL locker rooms or guys become uh, apathetic to what's happening? They just show up and play and go home, right? I do think so. Like not day,
1: giving up on a play and staying in it? Maybe
0: getting that first down. Even what for an example here. But if they are, but that only matters. It's not going to happen if they're winning because when it's the whole thing. If they win, it doesn't matter. What's they're five win team and they're riding out the stretch? Are they making sure this crew, this Jordan Love, Christian Watson, AJ Dillon crew says we're going to be here for a while? So we're going to make sure that we're out there executing exactly what we're supposed to be executing all the way through this sad five or six win season, even in week 17, and we're out of it for a while, we're still showing up and doing our best to execute everything because that'll set the example for the young guys. So I think it really only matters if the team's bad. Because if you win, like, the biggest lie out there is winning doesn't give you, winning gives you chemistry. Chemistry doesn't give you winning. If you're winning, you don't need any of this. It's if you're losing, then you could use some of this. Uh, I don't yeah. think this makes you win. I think it just helps you if you're losing. Not yeah. turn on each other.
1: Right. Yeah. There's, there's definitely going to be situations where this is going to apply. When the going gets tough... The, the the players that are tight and tight-knit and have each other's backs are going to be able to bounce back and perform. So that's what I mean when I say, like, it could get them some first downs. Things maybe not going their way in a game. They're not hanging their heads. They're staying in it because they know that Christian Watson's doing everything he can to get open. And Jordan loves might not be throwing it per- super accurately, but is doing everything he can to get him the ball. So, like, that's kind of what I mean. Chemistry is important. That's why we've got such great chemistry, and that's why we're nominated for Madison's Best.
0: Radio team, this is Roger Hamilton, presented by Coors
2: Light. See ya!